Hey y'all, I'm Myth, and I'm the weirdest bitch you know. This is my podcast. What up, internet? (laughs) I'm here next to the most morbid baby angel who just said something that kind of like (laughs) freaked me out a little bit. So today, and I think in general, when I'm really honoring what I need and doing that, like really genuinely following it, I notice I'm so much more in touch with my guides, with my holy guardian angel. You might see that. Uh, some people call it just, you know, guides or the aliens, (laughs) like Jessa Reed, one of my favorites. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I realized, well, a few things kind of clicked for me today and I got like a big download. I got a real like clear communication about something which I can't really share but that happened and then um I got my kiddo back from my mom which was nice because I really missed him and um something we were talking about led him to say that even after one of us dies, we're still going to talk, <laughs> which he said it in his own words, but it was just like, whoa, I really don't, I, we talk about death, but I try not to just, I really work to not expose him to too much stuff not not out of fear exactly but just like I don't want to influence him I want him to make up his own ideas of like decide and think about what you know the big questions of life and death right I think it's maybe maybe it's because that's what I wish had happened for me I wish I had gotten to ponder and choose and you know instead of being indoctrinated basically so um that's my own wounding and I'm not really opposed to people talking about their faith with him um but I don't I will not paint to him a picture of you need to believe one certain thing in order to be good um that's never going to be okay with me. So, um, anyway, he said that and he was like, how will I know if you're talking to me? Like if I, (laughs) he said something like, if you, if I'm the one that's dead, um, you know, how will he hear me talk to him? And I was just telling him, you know, I'm in your heart. So, you can hear it that way, like not with your ears, but you hear it, you feel it in your heart, you feel supported, you feel connected, like that's possible. Um, 
just kind of explaining to him what he had already sparked. And uh, I thought about when I first started really hearing my guides and how that is not just this, I think probably by now if you're listening to this, you know that's not just this linear relationship um but instead it's one where you can really easily just mistake it as yourself um and to be fair you know it is a part of you right your higher self your holy guardian angel though you may perceive it as something external or maybe it is something external i don't really know it doesn't really matter i don't think as long as you know, you are ethical, right? Like you, mm, it's just such a different feeling when it's like, oh, is this my ego? Is this my inner critic? You know, if it's like a doubtful, fear-based sort of message or something where, you know, you basically get any kind of permission to dehumanize another person, right? Then that's probably not your guides. It's not your guides. Your guides aren't going to tell you to hurt yourself or someone else. Um, you know, there might be some exception somewhere, but I really, I don't know, I think I can say pretty confidently your guides are not going to have you doing something uh, where you're harming someone else. So it's more about, I think, coming from a place of neutrality and hearing a clear message in that way. And I got one of those today where in that moment, it wasn't like reassurance or fear or anything. It was, it's just information and then comes in you know my own feelings or my logical like rational mind trying to like reason through it you know so I've I don't know I'm coming to a place where I'm better at identifying that or at least I'll just be honest like I think for a little while I just felt it's not that I can't access my guides, and but it was a little more of a drought where I hadn't felt the kind of like clarity for my own stuff in this way in a long time. So just want to document that. And what was the other thing? Hmm... Oh, I was reminded today as well. I'm going to just sneeze right in your ear. I'm not going to edit that out. I'm going to sneeze in your ear. Um, okay, I was reminded today after my share yesterday. Um, I was reminded of a dream that I had last year um, that was... Another one of those long, like, epic dreams. I shared I shared one of my epic dreams that I know is still unfolding. 
here. I think I might have actually not shared it in the end. I might have not published it. That's the thing with how many recordings I make and then don't share. It's like, I don't know if I told you the stream or not. But anyway, this, the one that I just thought of today, I don't remember why this came up. And I guess the the thread doesn't matter because I know my guides were pulling me back to this dream for a reason. But yeah. Yeah, because nothing was happening in the moment that was related. I was just um, lying on my back, letting Lou um, have like an airplane ride, you know, where you like put your feet up and he's still small enough where I can easily do airplane. But anyway, so the dream... Oh, maybe it's because, maybe it's partially because it's like a little bit acrobatic, okay? This dream, I actually worked in a group and that was helpful, but I'm going to just recall it to the best of my memory. And I believe I titled it at the time. I'm actually going to look at my dream journal because I want to make sure... I'm not going to read from it, but I do want to have the title that I named it at the time. But like I said, I think when we go from memory, even if the dream changes, I think that that's important. Um, Because when we're just rereading the story, it doesn't have a whole lot of room to like evolve right it's like our dreams are living narratives that we that that change it's just like eyewitness testimony right it's like what you retell I guess I just want to give you permission that when you're retelling a dream you are allowed to sort of fill in the blanks because We kind of do this unconsciously anyway and like getting all wrapped up in like the details being accurate. It's like it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter. There is no accurate. It's all coming out of your brain and well spirit. It's all coming from you. So, okay. Okay, (laughs) I found it. My dream journal is so full like I have. I have dreamt so much in the past year, and uh, anyhow, it was called Black Hole Church. Um, I won't give the backstory for this so much. I'm just gonna say the dream, and then, and then maybe I'll go deeper into backstory if that matters. Um, if it feels like relevant, I'm gonna get somewhere. I'll share that. Um, So Black Hole Church is the name of this dream. And I just want to give a little shout out to my birthday twin, Juliet, who actually did a little illustration of this, of a piece of this dream, which I have it on Instagram. I'll link it in the show notes because why not? If I remember, I'll link it. Um, Anyway, 
So I am standing in the Presbyterian church that I went to as a teenager. I'm standing in the gym and the floor is just black water, like a sea, really. And somehow we're all, a lot of people that I know, um, one lady in particular I recognize that I grew up with, actually named Susan. Interesting. It's a connection to the last dream I shared. Anyway, we're, I'm sitting next to her and we're sitting in this room, this gym, with the floor being black water and there is like a wooden play structure in the shape of a castle. Um, pretty common, but somehow it fits. And at the very top, there are actually two surgeons and one female perceived person who is the gymnast, who's the acrobat. And these two surgeons are actually um, like opening her torso and pulling her guts out in front of everyone. And no one really seems shocked. The woman next to me is um, just kind of like, yeah, that's what we do here. <laughs> you know, just like not phased by this. And then I'm transported into this old car that's like barely running with two other people <laughs> and we're driving we're like going on this long road trip and um instead of like a gear shift there's actually a big tube like a big plastic tube um and there's some sort of tank of like jungle juice like mad dog 360 or whatever this it's like blue and we're all just drinking it while we're driving and I feel in this moment really lost like who are these people I don't really have details I just know that um we're trying to get somewhere and like it just it feels pretty hopeless. And then we end up in Nashville at another church that I kind of recognize downtown. Um, and inside, it's um, Soundgarden. Chris Cornell is there. He's alive, wearing a black wife beater. He looks great. And I say to him, like, oh, you're here, you're alive, like, you're fine. And he's like, yeah, everything's great, it's fine. And then I wake up. <laughs> um, and that's, that's the dream. It's like, there's no way I could get all the details in, but I would say the overarching feeling is, like, anxiety, 
you know, I feel a lot of unease in this whole thing. I mean, I think I, I didn't feel when I woke up, I didn't feel fear. I felt like, oh shit, a lot of things happened. Um, but I actually want to read, I want to read in my journal what I wrote at the time of this dream, because I think that might be interesting because I just said it from memory and um I just think it's interesting too how like I didn't realize the last dream I shared here I think the the name Sue came up and I thought it was indicative of a different person but then in this dream there's also a person I know who's a Sue um Anyway, okay, so I had this dream in, June? Yeah, this was really close before Lou's birthday, but anyway, watching over this weird show live over water, these people are trapezing. There is a sort of live surgery that's especially gruesome on this woman. And the audience... I can't read my own writing. And the audience... Another woman talks of how dangerous it is oh and then there's just an arrow five hour road trip with strangers five hour Hmm. I didn't remember that anyway um drinking jungle juice mixture from a hose blue and wine and question mark (laughs) beer Yeah, so we stop short and we see Chris Cornell playing in a church with a small audience. I tell him of my love for the song and my childhood fear of it. Mm, That's true. And I wake up. Okay, my waking reflections were that I actually cried. I forgot. Tears flow. The woman getting unnecessary surgery. Looks like my mother. I forgot that part. And Chris Cornell represents my father. And I text my brother and my father just to make sure they're okay. That's something I tend to do after a dream. Um, I just... What else? They both respond that they're fine. And I'm reminded of a church experience where, oh, I'm not going to share this, (laughs) but I'm reminded of a church experience. And the way I chose to honor this dream was to rewatch Black Hole Sun, which I did. I rewatched the video. And so this was a video, if you're not familiar with Soundgarden and Black Hole Sun, the video is very unsettling. Um, there's actually a burning Barbie doll on like a grill 
And as a child, that would just wreck me. I was so sensitive. Think about how sensitive I am now. And then, like, make me a little tiny person who, like, I just, oh, my God, I could not hold it together. Like, that song could not come on the radio because I would start crying. Um, And my family, my dad and my brother were like, God, this is a good song. Like, we want to hear it. And um, I would grow to really appreciate it. And then in college, I wrote a little short nonfiction essay about my relationship to this song um, and kind of coming of age to where I like actually appreciate it. (sighs) And uh, anyway, yeah, I think... You know, at the time, I really, oh, this is interesting. I didn't, so I have so many dreams written in here. I like, I forget that I had them. This is why having a dream journal, I think, is quite important. Because I wouldn't have realized that just a few days later, or like a week later, I had a dream where, you don't, I don't, need to share all of this dream but I will say that in the second part of this other dream that I didn't even name I didn't even write a name for it um the first Presbyterian church comes up again and there's a porcupine in this dream it's trying to get in my house And I can, like, barely keep it from entering. But it's like a dream house. It's, like, not any house I've ever seen. But, yeah, there's, like, three parts to this dream. The first one, the first part, I'm not comfortable sharing. But the second part is I'm at a school play in a building that reminds me of the old Presbyterian church. I I think it's interesting that this theme you know there's so much to unpack in my dreams it's like I forget details that relate to other things right I mean duh but our dreams talk to us over time they it's not just I had a dream and now I know the answer it's like yeah you're supposed to have uncertainty you're supposed to wonder you know and then I what was that? Oh, a Kindle that I'm letting die slowly. Um, okay, what was I trying to say? I was trying to say, I think, mm, there's so many ways to work with dreams. And, like, a lot of it isn't this, like, immediate gratification thing. Like, it feels so interesting and so good when I have... A dream where I feel like I've worked some shit out and that was sort of one of them um it's it's amazing to have big dreams that we can identify right away like oh this is a big dream and I hear people talk about those a lot but I don't hear as much talk of our little dreams because I had some little dreams in here that just looking back uh over it's like oh yeah that person was in my head or this situation, you know, I can kind of see where there's residue from other situations that I just hadn't really 
I haven't really thought about. Oh, I haven't even put my most recent dream in here. I need to do that. Um, and I need to remember to title my dreams because that's part of what... It's part of the medicine of it is naming it. And I recommend not beating yourself up over the name or like thinking too hard just like whatever's there you know um yeah thought about recommending my dream journal I like my dream journal but I have some complaints actually so I'm not gonna talk about it because I don't want to be negative it's hard it's like I feel like after my last episode too um be, you know, it's like I have such a vulnerability, vulnerability hangover. And, um, you know, all my feelings that come up around that situation. Mm, it's like, again, I, I feel that my ego's invitation to hide. I don't feel that that's what I actually want to do. I don't want to hide. I don't want to just like slink away from discomfort anymore. It's just, it's not any better. It's uncomfortable showing up and being honest and being open. But it's also, I would say it's more excruciating to just, you know, swallow my stories. If if I have stories that I'm meant to tell, it's like, well have to tell them and I think for a long time I thought well I have to tell them in writing and if I can't do that you know I just never mind or something and I have so many half written stories half written posts for Patreon um it's tough it's because I have so many things I want to share um herbal medicine related spirit related and especially, you know, knowing that there are people that wait for benefits and stuff. I just, I am not upset when you have to leave the Patreon. I feel like this year, it's only been a month <laughs> into 2022. But gosh, I've already just, you know, <sighs> needed recalibration time. Um winter is just tough it's like I love winter I'm so ready for it and then it's here and I just it's so hard to do things it is you know not easy to to do it um and I feel like other people are more grouchy too but I'm not sure because I'm not really going out just doing everything from my home which I'm so grateful for and I really think mm, it's something I've tried to do for a long time but I think here lately I'm noticing how important it is for me to honor the spirits of my home and like when we first moved in and like there were so many issues and people had done work wrong for literally decades, you know, like a hundred years, <laughs> this place has been here. Um, 
you know, it was easy for us to curse about it and be like, oh my God, this fucking house, you know, and obviously I don't believe that like that made it act up more. However, (laughs) um, we had so many issues that were just so random and it's like, well, you know, I'm not even saying this in a way where I'm being mean to myself or judgmental. It's just that like, we have a home, we have shelter. You can't have a stinky attitude about that. Like we can feel our feelings about the challenges that arise, but like, this is such a gift. This is such a windfall. Um, And this place is so sentimental, so sentimental to me. It's a place I lived as a child. My Nana has lived here. My mom and my stepdad bought this place when I was a kid. Like I have a lot of good memories, I guess some difficult memories as well, just infused here. And it's like, it's the last thing I really have. It's the only thing I really have. So one of the episodes I know that I have recorded and deleted uh, or just didn't publish rather is about our relationship to our home and each other and when we had the roof issue and how that felt in so many ways like a metaphor for the relationship really for the family um and I didn't publish it just because I think sometimes when we open up about our struggles especially when it comes to like you know our married partnership where we're healing I don't want people to think that I am the victim or something or that you know I don't want people to project onto my husband or me and like develop a story in their mind about you know who we are or whatever um though people do that anyway but I um yeah it was a really 2020 was just such a difficult year and um the house situation just came to this horrible head um and we had to confront our patterns about looking at like you know actually looking at our issues when it comes to the house and how we were um, so afraid to spend money that it actually made us way more, way more in the hole. Like it's way more for us now to pay for the roof, but it's possible, you know, like my house is no longer turning to mush around me and our roof is stable and there's so many things we need to do to our home and the main thing I can reach for even through that is like, I am so grateful that I have a home. And I think the more that I lean into that and I feed the loving spirit of this home, the guardians of this space, it's like, well, I think I'm having a better experience doing that. (laughs) Right? I mean, everything is relational. 
just because this home is like, yeah, some somebody made it, somebody built it, actually from a kit, like from a catalog, which is so neat to me. Um, you know, those there's real labor somebody put into it. Um, people, some people do kind of mention that they get weird vibes at my house, but I feel like it's probably just us, <laughs> not the spirits of my home. Though I do live near a cemetery, and I love that fact. Um, I don't feel like... I don't know. It's interesting for someone who has... I experienced a lot of death in my life early on in my family and had a lot of loss early. Um... And and also a lot of fear, like I mentioned, with the indoctrination and the fear of, you know, I think from having sleep paralysis and stuff, it's like, maybe I should have thought of this sooner or maybe it's so obvious, but I never had thought too much about how religious indoctrination could relate to uh, perceived threats and perceived, you know, like sleep paralysis issues. Um, you know, it's, for me, I think it was like suppressed shame, perhaps it was maybe related to that indoctrination. And I think it may, I think it also was related to even, it's hard because it's like the way that it happened kind of changed and morphed as I got older. And so, I'd mentioned in one of these here episodes that it was part of the sleep paralysis stuff was me needing to integrate and to be open to receiving messages from family uh, ancestors that aren't necessarily aren't necessarily who I'd normally reach out to or who feel safe. So. And that's just for me, that is the message that I got, is that one of the last times I had it, I heard very clearly, and I had no fear when I heard this, we're just your family trying to talk to you. Which, I feel like if that had happened any other, you know, any earlier, I would have freaked the fuck out, you know, it just, it was almost like a relief, like, oh, that's what this is, you know. So I know that when you're in the thick of a nightmarish loop or sleep paralysis loop, this is not comforting to hear. This is not, you know, it seems like, at least when I was experiencing the worst of it in college, it was like, God, there's just, it. it I'm just going to be honest. There were times where it was like, I just feel so exhausted and I can't sleep like, it fucks with your will to live. Like it really does mess with that. And so if you're in that sort of a space, just be so kind to yourself and know that like, there's something, there's probably something you're meant to feel. And it's not just here for you to suffer. It's not just, you know, here for you to bury and try to run from because it's just in my 
experience that doesn't really work and it makes things worse. And I feel sometimes like with my house, my house fucking would just act up and it it needed love. It needed our attention rather than our bitching. Again, just talking for myself. My husband did most of the work on our house and it's like he has every right to not love doing that you know (laughs) but I have to admit like he's done so amazing at working on the kind of energy that he cultivates and circulates in our home and it's taken so much work and it has taken me also to acknowledge and be accountable for my own stinky energy my own shitty vibes like it's really hard to point at someone else and be like you you're just negative all the time and it's like you know, three fingers pointing back at me. I'm also, you know, um, a fucking grump <laughs> and a jerk sometimes, you know, like stewing and stinky energy. So, and, and really the relief of that has been to talk openly and kind of like right away if there's something to talk about when we can you know, not nitpick everything, but not to leave like weird questions or like unanswered, like, oh, are we okay? Kind of stuff. Like it's better to just, you know, talk about it. And, um, yeah, being accountable for my own energy and also being like, just asking what the person needs, because I think sometimes we really don't know what we need, but, I'll know, I know that sometimes maybe one of us will be just like going off about something and the other will be like, okay, do you need support? Do you need solutions? Like what do you need in this moment? And just checking in if we're actually available to listen because sometimes, you know, it's like when you live in the same house, you do everything from the same house. You have a little person that's like interrupting you all the time when you're trying to talk about grown-up things like, you know, like schedules and shit that you have to talk about, like nothing fun, you know, but we can easily get off track. And so with the interruptions, I mean, and so, um, speaking of off track, where was I going? Oh no, it's happened. I'm trying to remember where I was going with that. Oh, I think when one of us is experiencing a big emotion or a hard-to-process emotion, like a big feeling, that it, if the other person is, who's like receiving, who's listening to that processing, because we do process things externally, and I think that can be really helpful, but you can process something externally and the person listening does not have to go emotionally on the same ride. That's, that's what it means to like hold space for someone, right? You don't have to emotionally, you can have empathy for them in that moment and hold them through it, witness them. But you don't have to like meet their energy because it's not actually helping either of you. And I can be very reactive. It's something 
that I also have so much shame around. I can be very reactive. I can um, I can be generally impulsive, which can be so fun and such a gift. And then emotionally, I can be very reactive. And then, oh no, I've yelled at someone or, oh no, I've like burnt a bridge. And then, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, it reinforces that I'm a shitty person narrative that, um, I don't know, it's never really benefited me to lean into that, <laughs> but I still wallow in it occasionally. Um, but yeah, so it's helpful for me to remember that like showing someone love and compassion in the moment doesn't mean I have to like go with them. And I realized that this is a pattern that was modeled for me that when someone in my family was upset, I was meant to also like, like I, (laughs) this sounds like I'm throwing my mom under the bus and I'm not. My mother brought me pasta today and in general, our relationship is so fucking good, but this is just a pattern that I've brought up to her and I've, you know, we've talked about it. Like it's, we know where it came from too. It's, it didn't start with her either. Okay. Just saying, but I remember distinctly, I think I was in like high school where we're in an argument and I just, I start like shutting down, which at that time I didn't do very often. I usually would just like fight. I had so much energy to like yell back or whatever. Um, I know this is toxic. That's the point. But so we're in an argument about something and then I just start shutting down. And my mom's like, oh my God, like, why aren't you yelling? Like, why aren't you reacting? Don't you care? Don't you care? (laughs) And my mom does not remember this kind of stuff. She was, and again, I'm like still feeling like, oh, I need to protect her right now. But she's an adult and this did not start with her this wasn't some malicious thing I have honestly just and this is not me just saying this to protect her I think gratitude for my mother is something that took a long time for me to recognize but I have so much gratitude for her because we have a lot in common obviously but also she's an amazing grandma and without her I would lose my fucking mind (laughs) having my kiddo with me 24 7 she she keeps him and helps me and I just feel like extremely blessed that my nana and my mom can you know help me raise my kid because that's that's what it feels like it's a true village and um anyway I've digressed so much but the point is I recognize this pattern and the pattern is that I, I I thought, oh, in order to show that I care, in order to really show empathy and compassion, I have to I have to react or I have to like go on this ride when someone else is experiencing an emotional you know, any emotion, because if I don't, if it's someone I really love, it's like does it seem like I don't care? And I think this is deeply unconscious. It wasn't something I thought about. It was something that I I do care. I do get invested. And then I go on the same ride, but it's like sometimes it's not my emotion to try to experience and process. It's theirs. 
And this is, this is what loving boundaries are for. It's just knowing where you end and someone else begins. And it's not even about saying no all the time or shutting people out. I think sometimes I've mistaken boundaries and just shutting people out because it's so hard to deal with them, to predict. I can't predict. People are unpredictable. And that is something with my child. I try to be a safe, reasonably predictable force in his life, you know? And I think that that it's actually a struggle because he triggers the hell out of me. I think being in close contact with anybody can do that, but he's four, you know? He he doesn't know that, and I can't react from my wounding with him. That's not appropriate, and it's not healthy, and I'm not going to pass on this sort of toxic you know, lack of boundaries thing. Um, So it's something I've really been working on. And I feel like the pattern's really healing. I mean, I, I, I kind of can come back to my mom and my sister and our relationship and how I think for a long time, anytime you're like frustrated with somebody else's behavior, even if you love them dearly, it's like, Oh my God, why can't you just be different? And it's like, I needed to be different. I needed to approach things differently, even though I'm not the oldest person in the situation. It's like, well, I also needed to give my parents a chance to actually, you know, evolve and grow. They were young. When they had me, I'm not making an excuse or anything. I'm not saying like if your parents are abusive or toxic that you need to hang out with them or forgive them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for me, it's like I needed to understand that I had so much more power than I realized to recognize and change things about myself instead of just looking around and being like, well, you need to change or you did this or you did that. And that's why I'm like this. It's like victimization is real. Like being hurt, being abused is real. I think we've established that. And additionally, um, it's not always everybody else. I don't think it's always everybody else. And I don't think, I don't think it's really helpful for me to fall into this sort of like victim of circumstance sort of slump because I just don't think that that's true. I look at my life and it's just, I'm so fucking blessed, you know? Like I have so much. Um, and at the same time, you know, it, it's it's both, right? Like I have so much and the things that I'm healing, the things that are hurting are valid. They're real. Um, And I think it's this paradox, right, of holding enough space for myself to feel those big emotions and know that my truth actually matters. It does. 
Um, and also in my other hand, right, the other side of this paradox is that, um, hmm, where was I going? I'm just trailing off because I'm so sleepy now. It's been a really weird day, honestly, but yeah, I guess the paradox that I was talking about, in the one hand, we have you know, real, my material circumstances that are real, my heavy emotions, the injustices that I witness and have experienced, though, to a lesser degree, I will say. Um, And then in the other hand, I have, oh my God, I'm so blessed. I have pretty much all of my needs met. I'm, you know, like, in control of so much. I'm actually so powerful. And then this belief that I'm not powerful or that like, I don't know, that I have to hide parts of myself to be um, understood or something. It's like, but you can't be understood when you're hiding. Anyway, uh, yeah. I I feel like my point got lost because I just, I'm trailing off. And I'm also visual, I just see this image of like an hourglass, but turned on its side. Um, and two hands like holding each end. And there's like one end is fate and the other end is like the small margin of control or will where I can move things, right? It's such a weird visual that I got. And it reminds me of, did you ever see Days of Our Lives? That was uh, one of my Nana's stories that I grew up watching that. Like, sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. There was always some real dramatic shit. <laughs> Marlena is dying and coming back to life again. Um, I I was so outside like most of my childhood, but I have very distinct memories of staying home and you know swapping through the fuzzy channels on um, her old dial. TV. It was wild. It was so different. It's kind of crazy. Like, I saw an image from back when my Nana lived in this house, in this very bedroom. And uh, something weird that I, it's not weird, but I thought it was interesting that it lined up. There was, in here now, I have this little earring frame that I made. It was great. I made this cool little earring holder frame. And then the same day, I won a giveaway on Instagram for Blue Bowery's uh, earrings. And uh, that's like one of my favorite pairs. But yeah, it all just aligned in one day. But anyway, so the place on my wall where I have this little frame, there was a picture, a little painting that my mom did of a vase of flowers that's the exact same size in the exact same spot. It's so funny. 
Um, anyway, I could honestly just, I could go on talking, but I guess I just, I kind of wanted to make another episode, even though I do these so often and in chunks, I just never want to make, I don't want to put ads on these, especially just with the nature of the content that I've shared. It's just like, meh, I, half the time I'll be listening to some astrology podcast and really digging it. And then, oh, here's an ad for like, I don't know, some organization that's like, barely scratching the surface on problems that we have. It's like, okay, you can do an ad calling for donations or we could, you know, yeah, maybe you could do both, but we could just push harder at the top. Um, I don't know if donations are really going to fix our school system at this point. We need federal funds to go to schools, but that's a whole other, it's a whole other thing. Um, It's hard for me to not fall into politics just because I just look out and I get mad. Uh, And at the same time, this is another one of those paradoxes. It's like I need to know what's going on to an extent within what I can kind of work with and control and try to help with. Um. Not control, that's not the right word, but you know, what where I can influence change for the better, right? And then if I doom scroll all day, I'll have a bad day. You know, I'll be really out of touch with myself if I'm thinking about how many school shootings we have or how many fucking predators that are just still in commission, just doing whatever the fuck they want. Um, yeah, if I dwell on that... <laughs> I'll feel like shit. And so, uh, yeah, I try to hang on to the news really loosely, but it's hard. I'm on Twitter just too much. Um, when I try to change that, I have, I just, I don't know. It's like I get tagged in something and then I get sucked back in, you know? So, oops, I covered the microphone. So yeah, no pressure, just I say no pressure to myself. No pressure to give up Twitter. Just check in less. I really, I do feel better when I'm not on there just constantly. But a lot of, I get a lot of inspiration just seeing, seeing art mainly, you know, in mediums that I don't even work with. I really like seeing the art. I guess I could go back to Instagram for that. But it's just a fucking shopping plaza now. So what is the point Um, all right. I'm not going to just keep complaining. (laughs) I just got done talking about how reaching for gratitude is magical. And I, uh, then started complaining. Um, so I'll end with this note, which is that I'm really grateful for the community of support that I do have. Twitter is the place where I've really made the most connection with just, people I otherwise would not have met. Um, So I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for the magical community that I have been cultivating and that y'all have been building with me for quite a while. Thank you for that. Um, Yeah, you know, 
last but not least, thank you, patrons. Oh, my God. I really, really appreciate all of you who pay a monthly fee for posts that I get out late or sometimes sit in my drafts. I uh, thank you. Thank you for supporting me. It really does mean a lot. If you would like to do so, <laughs> if anything in this in this transmission was helpful, let me know. Um, what else? Yeah, I hope you have a great new moon uh, tomorrow. This is on the eve of the new moon. If you'd like to support me on Patreon, it is patreon.com slash sleepyhousehealing. Um, Twitter is at a mythic witch. If you'd like to give a one-time, you know, like thank you tip or something, uh, Venmo and Cash App are both a mythic witch. And I think that's it. I'm, you know where to find me, sleepyhousehealing.com. My books still aren't open, but it's okay. It's been hardly any time since I've repeated that. So I'm thinking mid-February. If you're waiting on a reading, I'm also grateful for you and your patience. All right. Bye.